BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Michael Rosenbaum, uh, Lex Luthor from Smallville, The Flash from the Justice League, and you're listening to Geek Vibes Live. Hey guys out there, how's everyone doing? This is another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I need to figure out another word besides enticing, I've realized that. Maybe I'll do it next week, maybe I'll say the same thing. I don't really know, but what matters is we have another episode of talking about some wrestling from this last week, and of course, um, we have on the show my co-host, uh, the Prince of Darkness, uh, the Colossus of Clout, Mr. Christopher A. Patton. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, doing wonderful. I don't know about being the Prince of Darkness. That's some fucking huge shoes to fill if uh, Ozzy dies. Like, I don't, I don't think I got that. I don't think I'm on don't that level, that. man. Uh, Holy shit! Well, what's, that what'd you call me? The, the Colossal of Clout. I kind of like that. Yeah, I think it can be, uh, that's, a, that's a Babe Ruth um, uh, nickname, because I remember that from Sam, Sam Lott. They're like, you don't know, and they, they named all of his, his, his accolades and nicknames. Uh, the, but anyways, the great, what were you saying? The great, the great Bambino and the uh, Colossal of Cloud. That's what, they, uh, that's what they call me on the streets nowadays. I mean, uh, my rap is, name call- is Gandalf. My, my rap name has they been call- Gandalf the Great White Trash for like a really long time, so... I know. Nice. <laughs> Mine's Dizzy D, actually. That's what I go to when I'm freestyling. And uh, people out there, if you're wondering if I'm kidding, no, I actually have like one of those apps. I forgot what it's called, but I pay I pay 20 bucks a year to be able to get like a bazillion beats and then rap over them. It's pretty uh, pathetic, but I do it when I'm bored. But this is not about what we do when we're bored. This is about professional wrestling. And uh, we haven't, like I said, uh, we, we got we got some stuff. Uh, it's been a pretty quiet week uh, so far uh, since we last talked to you last Wednesday. So not too much has happened, but we're going to go through the uh, the news that is here. Uh, we're going to go over SmackDown and Raw, uh, give our predictions for Hell in a Cell, and then do a little bit of fantasy booking for New Japan versus WWE. I have some matches. I'm going to force uh, Chris and also Thomas, who will be here momentarily, um, and to give me scenarios. I like to do that to them because I have to pick their brain and, um, I don't know, uh, I have no life. So I play a lot of video games, so half these have already been, been done in the Dane Arena. But it doesn't matter about that. 
I uh, also want to mention, uh, I think that we should mention uh, before I continue, um, something tragic happened, uh, obviously, Sunday night in Las Vegas. And uh, it was pretty horrific. And I'm not going to try to give you a, you know, uh, what I think you should think from this whole entire thing type of thing. Um, just, you know, hold on to your loved ones and, I don't know, just try to remain happy and stuff like this just really makes you realize just how messed up the world is. And if we can give you any type of enjoyment at all from just anything that happens in your life, uh, give you some type of entertainment value, we're really happy to do that for everyone that listens. And, uh, yeah, just wanted to definitely uh, touch upon that. And also I lost, coincidentally, one of my favorite musicians, Tom Petty, uh, on Monday. That was also just awful. And um, rest in peace to everyone that has passed. And uh, I don't know. Hopefully we can only hope for a brighter future. I know that's really vague, but that's all I got. Um, I don't know. Chris, did you want to mention anything on that before we go forward? I just thought I'd say something. Uh I mean, I think you pretty much covered it. I would just say, you know, be be as, be a kind person. If you can find it, you know, inside yourself, just be as kind to people as you can and, like, tell your loved ones that you love them. And uh, other than that, like, it's a, it's a very sad situation and, and kind of a scary world that we live in sometimes. And hopefully, that, like, like Dane said, we can bring you a uh, little bit of just to take your mind off everything that's going on in the world and to some fantasy wrestling and wrestling news is great uh also rest in peace tom petty one of my favorite songwriters for those of you who don't know i'm also a musician singer songwriter and uh he's probably one of my biggest influences so it's been a rough week for me and i know it's been a rough week for everyone else and uh i just want to send my thoughts and prayers to, to anyone and everyone that uh had friends or family or any kind of uh or or just wasn't affected in general with the uh Las Las Vegas scenario that everyone's going through. And um on the same uh side as Dane, we're not here to get political or preach or do anything at all. So uh let's just get into talking about some wrestling after uh maybe we have a moment of silence for uh the people that have passed. All right, let's do this. Let's have a fun time from here on out, guys. Talk about some wrestling stuff. The 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 simpler things in life, if you will. All right, our first discussion, and I will uh, key Thomas in whenever he finally gets here. I think he's holding us up. I think that, you know, we went on a couple dates. We thought that we were, you know, in a relationship, and now he's, you know, he's, he's toying with us, Chris. He's toying with our emotions. But I'm sure that we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to him soon. Uh, but my first uh, topic for conversation is Enzo versus 205 Live. Enter. Kalisto? Um, that's generally how I feel about this whole entire subject. So let's let's go back uh, to what we were talking about last week and give a little bit of an update. Enzo was not only good at the end of Raw, which I love how everyone's like, they're giving him the main event. They're giving the main event something less, basically, that can keep people around, but it's not like the main event. The main events have been, for a while now, the second hour right afterwards. I'm hoping that they realize, hey, why don't we just take this off, cut it off, make it two hours with USA, and try to get, you know, NXT to have a second fucking hour for some reason. But I digress. Anyways, so we have Enzo More. He comes out. He goes against the whole entire, you know, group uh, of uh, – just calls out the whole entire 205 um, division, uh, including Neville. 
and uh, basically tells him that he made a contract with Kurt Angle that says if anyone touches him, that they are completely stripped of the of the uh, opportunity of receiving a title shot against him, which I don't know why Kurt, what Kurt Angle would do, but we'll judge his motives when we find out about the second part of this. Um, so they all beat the crap out of him. So 205 Live actually was good. It, it came with, with, with Neville, or not with Neville, with um, Enzo looking good again, talking on the mic at the beginning of it, addressing the fact that people were saying that he deserves it after not only uh, Neville did his finishing move on him, but then the whole entire division came out after Braun Strowman destroyed him, and then all of 205 Live gave their finishers to him after, uh, you know, they stopped televising this. So, oh, my God, this is, this is just like a headache to try to get through the whole entire thing. But, um, honestly, Enzo has been picking up the show. Uh, last week was a good show, and it was mostly because of this aspect. I just don't think it's really fair that come to this week we have another time where he's explaining to him, like, if you guys touch me again, you're going to be kicked off the show. Why would Kurt Angle make that type of decision? In storyline, I know, guys, it's, 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 it's fake, it's scripted and everything like that, but I'm just saying, like, that doesn't even make any sense to give an option like that. To, hey, don't touch the champion if he's motivating the shit out of you, or not only do you lose your title, but the second strike is you get the hell out of here. you you got to leave the arena. I think it was getting fired. I'm pretty sure it's stipulation. I might be wrong on that. But still, ridiculous. Um, and not only that, but Enzo's so good in the mic, and I, I like seeing him with every single person, but no one else is allowed to, like, say something. Like, no one brings one microphone. Like, he got T.J. Perkins. I forgot what he said, but he nailed him hard. And the man is going to give me a promo. But we have this whole entire grand thing that happens, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more uh, when we do Raw. Uh, you know, at the end of the show, and he tells everyone off, tells them, you know, the second stipulation, that they can't touch him and stuff like that. Kurt Angle comes out, hey, I got one guy that can. The new person that gets signed on 205 Live. Oh, crap. Let's go back, guys. Could it be Johnny Wrestling? Uh, no. Okay. Well, shit, I thought that maybe that would happen. Uh, could it be, I don't know, Ray Mysterio Jr.? Um, kind of. All right. You know, we, we go through the list. Hurricane, uh, Hayo Atami. People were expecting any of these guys to make their way. Uh, Leo Rush was another one which I don't think would have gotten a big pop, but he's kind of known in the, uh, the indie. And I'm not going against Kalisto. Um, you know, Ray puts him over all the time. So I understand that there is like a second coming type of concept because they're the same height and they're both extremely fast. But I think that's where it ends. And I'm not trying to be mean to Kalisto. I've been wanting him on 205 Live. But really, Kalisto is going to be the savior? Are you serious? Chris, am I a dick for thinking this? Or, or did you have similar uh, opinions on it? Uh, man. So we talked about this last week, and we kind of went through that same list or, like, how we felt uh, about who should be the person to uh, battle against uh, Enzo Amore. And uh, we definitely talked about Kalisto, and we kind of assumed that it could be um, someone like Kalisto or a a Sin Cara, Um, even though I think Sin Cara is out of that weight class with uh, Pinnacle playing him. But... I don't know, man. It's it's kind of it's cool. Uh, I thought Sin Cara had a really really good match uh, against Drew Gallic, and uh, I'm excited to see it. And it makes sense with the storyline. I think the storyline would have made more sense if they paid a little more attention to 205 Live, 
because it, it does make, I mean, I guess it makes sense because they're like, you can only see 205 Live on Raw, but 205 Live itself is its own show on a separate network. And uh, Kurt Angle is not super involved in any of the story that's there. It would almost make sense if he had a, uh, a separate general manager or something that was more of a heel for that storyline to play out like it did. But uh, other than that, like, uh, Kalisto will be entertaining. I just, it's going to be really weird to see a match against just him and Enzo Amore and uh, how they set that match up because you're putting a lot of responsibility in the hands of Enzo Amore to just catch Kalisto because a lot of Kalisto's offense is very high flying. Um, and Enzo Amore, a lot of his in-ring work in general is just getting tossed around and, and selling. And so the match itself is going to be like a really, really weird thing. Maybe they built it into some sort of street fight or something just to uh, kind of help both those guys out. Yeah, it's gonna. It's just a weird chemistry, like uh, Kalisto versus Gallic or Neville or um, uh, Tony Nice or uh, can, like T.J. Perkins. Like all those guys are really, really good wrestlers. They can handle that style. And um, not that Enzo Amore is like. I, I mean, I have said in the past that I think he's awful, but I think he showed that he he can at least catch people out of air, and he he knows what he's doing for the. Like he mostly sells. That's his whole thing. Um, he doesn't have a big offense, uh, which isn't a terrible thing. It's just against Kalisto, uh, Kalisto's thing is generally the comeback. Uh, you, you know, he sells, sells, and then he hits his big comeback spots like he did against uh, um, Drew Gallic in, in their match. So it's it's going to be really, really weird to see how that plays out. Um, I don't think it's the big star that they were necessarily looking for, but maybe it is a star in the eyes of, well, maybe kids are the ones that are watching the show. Maybe that's what they think because the Enzo transition was so high when they put Enzo on there. And if that's the case, uh, just from my experience going to live shows, kids, you know, like uh, from I would say from the ages of like anywhere from like four to you know twelve, they do like the old Kalisto uh, with the mask, and and they really did Lucha, enjoy Lucha. Uh, when yeah the, the, when Lucha was a tag team. Um, I don't remember with the Lucha Dragons. They they really enjoy the Lucha Dragons, like from the live shows I've been to. So it kind of makes sense if that's what they're trying to play off of. Um, but who knows? I I think that that makes the most sense of why they would do this is that they think it'll help draw in um, more kids to convince their parents that hey, we really want to watch this. Um, if not the same day, the next day after SmackDown or whatever, because I think SmackDown is more of the uh, the shows that younger kids tend to watch because it is a shorter time period. It doesn't go to a, a, like 1130 at night. And I know when I was a kid, like uh, when Monday Night Raw, like uh, not Monday Night Raw, but uh, WCW Nitro originally was from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. So I would generally get to watch that more often than Raw that went from 9 to like 1115. So um, yep. just, you know, I, I think that might play into it a bit too. And I don't think he's necessarily a bad choice. I kind of hope it either I, – I, I feel like turn into either a three-way or a four-way somehow just simply because of the way their ring styles are kind of going to clash against each other. Um, but maybe they can plan out something really cool. I could be completely wrong, but uh, I just – those two in the ring together it just seems really weird to me just because of the way their offense is and, and the way they both kind of rely on um, – they're selling more so to tell their story. Kalisto's 
telling a story is more that he's always been kind of the smaller guy and he's getting, you know, beat up. But, like, when you put him and Enzo, like, Enzo's taller, but Kalisto is, like, way more built and looks like he would just whip Enzo's ass. They actually fought each other. So that's just going to be, to me, just in-ring weird storytelling. Well, it, it, you know, going directly to that, it, it's strange because, how do I say this? Enzo, he has potential to, you know, not become a great wrestler or whatever, but, like, to potentially get better and better if he keeps on working at it, especially now that he's working with guys his size and not getting thrown around by dudes that are huge. Don't get me wrong. But your first person you put up against is probably, honestly, your best uh, in-ring worker, the one that can make him look the best, uh, you, you go right for him first, which is Neville. And I'm hoping Neville, nothing against 205 Live and the Cruiserweight, but I hope the rumors about Neville going to Maine is true because I not only think he's a great wrestler, but he's a monster heel, and he should stay like that. And thinking about matches with him or potentially Finn Balor or, or, or several other people, AJ Styles going for the U.S. belt or, or going for the U.K. belt, whatever, what have you. Um, but just getting back to it, it just, I don't know. I, I, I'm not trying to sound like I'm shitting on Kalisto at all, but all I know is that if, if, if uh, Johnny Gargano came out, I would have popped. I would have been really excited, and I think that you are right. I think that maybe it is going for kids, you know, uh, because the whole 205 Lives are bright and, you know, has people jumping around. It, you know, it, it seems like it would be. Uh, I mean, I love the Cruiserweight division in, in uh, Monday Nitro, so I definitely agree with you on that. Um, so that makes sense especially with the Lucha Dragons. People love saying Lucha, Lucha. You know, you, we've, we've both gone to wrestling shows and seen the kids like with that. Um, but to me, it's like, God, it could have been it could have been a heck of a lot more exciting. It just seemed kind of like a dud. Um, but, hey, I think that 205 Live's been good. I've been watching them every week because of the ad of Enzo and the whole storyline evolving with that. I like their wrestlers. So if it's working, I guess it's working. Uh, do you have any other comments towards this before we move on, buddy? No, I mean, I just just that uh, the the weirdest part for me is just the match itself. If that's the match they're building to, it's just how do you make that match good? And uh, I don't know. I think Kalisto could. I could, I think Kalisto will give one hell of an effort. I just don't see that being a very good match. I see that being a way worse match than say Enzo versus Neville because Neville has been played up as sort of a monster in the cruiserweights, and Kalisto has been the guy that is, you know, always wrestling people that are bigger than him. And uh, the last thing I really remember Kalisto for was... When the him and Apollo Crews... Well, that and him... Well, he beat, technically he beat Braun Strowman. Um, oh, yeah! That's that. right! Uh, I don't want to get started on that, but the last big match I remember him for at a pay-per-view was, I, I believe it was Dolph Ziggler beating him and Apollo Crews at WrestleMania before that. I think so. so. I think so. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's going to be a weird thing, but we'll see how it plays out. I think that there's plenty of ways that they can get around that storyline. Um, Bag Warrior character for Neville, because um, Neville's also a heel, could really work. Like, there's ways to get around that if they really wanted to. Um, if they think they need He's to. He's so good on the mic, hopefully, man. Who, uh, Enzo? No, well, no, Enzo is too, but Neville in general. I thought yeah, Neville's great. I might have... 
what I was uh, saying anyways, is if, they have, to, if, they, if they have to work around the storyline, all I was saying is they could go with like a lawyer type angle or something where Neville's contract has a guaranteed uh, title shot clause and this doesn't void that. Like there's ways to turn this into a three-way yeah. match. I see what you're saying. I think it would be better as a three-way. I would rather see the three of them go at it. Um, you know, who knows? You know who it was definitely not going to be uh, when they made that announcement? I knew it wasn't going to be Austin Aries, but that would have been cool. I wonder what Austin Aries is doing right now. I hope he's eating a banana. Uh, all right, next news item. Shayna Baszler officially signs a WWE contract. All right, it's official. Uh, I don't know if, since she was the second person, she's going to go to Maine or if they're going to keep her on NXT like most of the other female competitors from the uh, from the Mayon Classic. Um but regardless, I kind of saw this coming. I still think they could build her up as, like, if I said that, you know, not only should Paul Heyman uh, support the, the female horseman from MMA, but if, if Ronda Rousey is going to be the Brock Lesnar, if you will, this is the Samoa Joe. Uh, and she needs to be topped up like that murdering type of scary concept that Samoa Joe gave uh, off. By the way, uh, uh, happy to know Samojo apparently is on the fast track uh, of returning from what he said. He just had two surgeries, uh, and he's in recovery and should be making a return soon. So that, that's good. Reminded me of that. But um, how do you feel, Chris, about Shayna Baszler officially signing with WWE, and where do you think they're going to put her? Honestly, I hope they put her on Raw and transition Mickey James to the champion so that you can have Mickey James versus Nia Jax. You can maybe put Nia over as a champion finally and then have uh, Basler run through that and then you get a monster versus monster type match. Uh, and I think that's a good way to build her. Just have her go through everyone else and uh, then she's undefeated going against Nia Jax. And depending on where you want to go from there, you can have her beat Nia Jax or have Nia Jax win. It just depends on what you want to do. But I think that makes sense. And I feel like the reason they're positioning Mickey James and the situation that she's in is because they trust her to wrestle um, wrestle a very safe style against people that aren't necessarily the best in the ring, someone like a Nia Jax or a uh, Shayna Baszler. And, and Shayna is going to do more of the Brock Lesnar style in-ring work anyways. Probably work a lot safer than, say, like Nia Jax. But that seems to be, like, there's no other reason I can think of why Mickey James is getting a sudden push other than maybe they're going to be bringing rookies up and they want uh, Mickey James to be relevant again so that they could put them in matches with her. And we talked about it. I think that Mickey James last week, uh, she might be a transitional champion to get beaten by Asuka when she returns because they have, you know, they worked well in the ring together. Um, from what I remember, at least, I don't remember actually. I think they did. I think they had some great matches. Um, I fear stuff has been. They definitely, they definitely had a, but, uh, they definitely had a NXT takeover match because that was Mickey's match back. And from what I remember, that match was pretty damn good. Not necessarily Oscar's. But I'd love Oscar to see the versus, two of them. That that last Oscar versus Ember Moon match was pretty fucking phenomenal as far as women's match matches go. So it'll be, it's interesting to see where they're going to go with uh, Shayna. Um, but I feel like that, yeah, she might be just going straight to the main roster because I, I think they want to get that storyline off the ground as fast as possible because it just seems like something that's such a WrestleMania-type moment if they can get all the cards in place, you know? 
I agree with you. All right, well, we have a caller, and since I don't memorize anyone's number, I'm going to warn you, caller. If you're, if you're Thomas, I apologize, but I'm going to play it out just like a, any type of radio thing. I'll take a question from this person. Who are you? Hey, guys, this is Bryce from Lake Charles, Louisiana. What's going on? What's up, man? How's it hey, going? Bryce. Did you get a question for us? Yeah, uh, I actually host a wrestling podcast down here in Louisiana called the Pro Wrestling Roundabout. Just want to throw this one at you guys. Uh, who or what do you think uh, this Sister Abigail thing is going to be and what's going to come out of it? Who do you think will be Sister Abigail? What do you think this is going to set up with Ray and Finn coming up? But most importantly, who do you think Sister Abigail is going to be? Give me your take on it. Okay. Uh, I mean, actually, that was coincidentally our next subject. So since we kind of finished Shayna Baszler, We'll go right into that. Uh, Sister Abigail, from what I'm hearing, I think it was, um, I don't know if it was Dave Metzler, but it was somewhere over, I forgot his organization, what it's called. But um, uh, they, they said that this is supposed to be, I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know if they're going to use makeup. I was very disappointed to find out that apparently what they're going to be doing is having Bray Wyatt have his own demon concept, and he's going to come out as Sister Abigail. Now, I hope that that's not the case and they get a female wrestler. I've heard people say Paige. It's not that I wouldn't think that Paige could do that, but I don't think it makes sense to get someone that well-known and think that no one's going to know it's Paige. What I wish were to happen, and it's not going to happen, is that it's Rosemary. That, you know, we're seeing anyways her on impact. If this scenario were to play out, I'm trying to give some level of, of integrity, if you will. Um, but, you know, we're seeing her on Impact right now, and that's, those are shows that have been pre-recorded. So maybe after Triple Mania, while she was on break, she's arguably, you know, I know Gail Kim at one point was an amazing professional wrestler, but she's definitely getting a little bit older. And Sienna's good, but she's arguably the best female competitor in Impact. And after Triple Mania, maybe after all that hush-hush, or, you know, all that wrestler type of thing, I could see maybe Triple H going, why don't we just grab her and just be like, hey, are you sick of that bullshit? Why don't you come over here? We're going to introduce you as Sister Abigail. Lights go out, lights come back in during the middle of their match, uh, and she's in the corner doing the same thing, exorcist style, that we know she can do, and she attacks Finn Balor and helps Bray win the match or some bullshit like that. But most likely, uh, we're probably just going to get Bray Wyatt uh, in, like, creepy Morticia drag or some shit like that. Uh, Chris, what do you have to say about this? When I look down the roster, if they're actually going to have a female wrestler that's currently signed for them. I think Nikki Cross probably makes the most sense. Um, and she is just on NXT, so they can move her up whenever they felt like, depending on how long they want to drag the storyline out. But I have also heard the rumors of it being a uh, weird Bray Wyatt, uh, almost psycho-type deal. Uh, if you remember in Psycho, he dresses up like his mother, uh, going for that kind of thing. So we'll see what happens. But if you're actually going to have a female uh, competitor that's going to wrestle in the ring and can't get Rosemary, uh, I think Nikki Cross is pretty close to Rosemary's gimmick, and it kind of fits and makes sense, especially uh, with the, her the only The only problem I see with there with that, Chris, uh, sorry to interrupt you, it's, it's that Nikki Cross, I mean, yes, it is NXT, but she's still, it's kind of like almost like the Paige thing. Like, I guess I guess Rosemary would be the same way, though. Uh, but, I don't know. I feel like Nikki's already a part of something, and they're kind of pushing with that. But then again, they don't have anything for her to do on NXT, so. 
Yeah, I mean, but if WWE paid attention to storyline, then, you know, Sister Abigail wouldn't be a thing because, you know, uh, Randy Orton shoved a crooks in the ground, and now Bray Wyatt doesn't oh, yeah. have the power of Sister Abigail to begin with. So if we're just, like, we're going plot holes versus, like, who they might yeah. actually have to do it, we're we're going to go down a dark, dark path. I mean, you just put Nikki Cross in, like, a well, veil or something and call her something different then uh, they'll just roll with that because they'll feel like, uh, well, you know, Nikki Cross wasn't the biggest on the next and I feel like this will just transition into fine. That is my guess if they're going to have an actual female performer do it just because Paige is, uh, Paige is so well-known, whether it be good or bad, uh, like even outside of the wrestling community now because of the whole TMZ thing. You can't just bring Paige back and be like, oh, she's Sister Abigail. Like, someone like Nikki Cross, I feel like you can transition it. Rosemary's the same thing, because Rosemary's not known in WWE. Uh, But I do think that they might go the Bray Wyatt path of having him basically play the guy from Psycho and dress up like his mom or his sister or whatever in some kind of weird thing. And they won't take it weird enough for it to actually mean what it should mean. Um, where it's like, no, I actually kind of uh, was in love with my sister or, you know, that that's what would make that character work. But him just dressing up like his sister randomly is not, like, Bray Wyatt and Moo is not going <laughs> to, like, move move the lever of that match for me in any situation. <laughs> oh, man. Very oh, good. That's a very, very, very good. good point. Uh, Bryce, so who, who do you think, before, before we let you go, uh, what do you think about Sister Abigail? Okay, so, um, like, every Monday and Tuesday night, nearly following Raw and SmackDown, we go live on Facebook. I do a, a live um, a live reaction show to Raw and SmackDown. During Raw, as I'm watching this whole thing, um, then th- that Bray Wyatt and Finn thing, for a while, this whole Bray and Finn thing was just really getting old, me and, the buddy, me and my buddy Casey, that do our show, we're just over this whole thing, their match at, um, at, uh, crap, No Mercy, uh, was just dumb, uh, was stupid, this whole Bray Wyatt and Finn thing is just garbage. Well, Monday night, whenever they did this whole thing, uh, with Finn, uh, you know, calling out Bray, and Bray's on the, uh, the Titantron, and, you know, starts talking about she, she never lied to me, of course, we all know, that whole thing, whenever the music started getting eerie, Bray looked down, and you could see the filter kind of go over his face to where he kind of turned into like a Sister Abigail type thing. Made me jump back. Yeah, it was creepy. Oh, it was was very creepy. You're right about that. It made me jump back into this thing, and now I cannot wait for what goes on in it. Like, this is is the one thing on Raw that I am absolutely loving right now because, um, I mean, they, they did something so simple, something so silly and so simple but I think it's going to be great. Um, as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, you know what? It would be awesome. And this is before, this is even before Meltzer even uh, posted about it. Uh, Dave Meltzer, Dave Meltzer, you know, he probably rolls around and looks at people's uh, podcasts. And he probably steals their ideas or whatever. But uh, I thought it was before. I, I don't actually do that at all. Um, I, I don't, I don't believe Bryce, you know what you're talking about. This is Dave Meltzer right now. So, um, uh, really, I, I felt like Okada was the best wrestler. Anyways, um, but thanks, thanks for uh, coming on, man, and uh, definitely call in again, and uh, we'll take another question. 
It was good talking with you, Bryce. Uh, have a good night, buddy. Hey, 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 brother. All right. Anyways, Chris, uh, let's continue. Uh, actually, this subject I'm really looking forward to because we were talking about this not too long ago, and I didn't think it was actually going to pan out uh, really well. Um, but somehow it seems like, at least to me, that not only are they putting Roman Reigns over following the John Cena match, and the crowd's getting more and more into him, but this whole Shield reunion and them actually being babyface with being Shield actually could win their benefit. And now this feud dynamic between Roman and his two ex-Shield members, uh, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, against not the Miz Taraj, but the Miz and the Bar, and that whole representation of them doing the uh, powerbomb to him and then actually doing the fist bump with the Bar thing. I thought all of it was done really well. I'm just wondering, uh, since you weren't such a fan of, of the concept of them getting back together, what you thought about it. I'm still not a fan of them being back together. I feel like it's still Roman Reigns taking a step forward and stepping like stepping back to be. I feel like the whole thing is that he's been associated with the Shield for so long that I want him as far away from that as possible. Um, it was a cool little nifty thing, but like, where does that lead for Roman Reigns, who technically should be next in line to go against Brock Lesnar at this point? Uh, is that what they're going to do is build up Brock Lesnar and then have him get beat by the shield because no one can beat Brock Lesnar. And is Brock Lesnar going to be able to get enough heel heat for people to actually believe that? So my, I'm still thumbs down on the whole shield getting back together thing. I just, I don't know, unless this is somehow going to pop Dean Ambrose out as like a big time heel. I'm just still, ugh. I just don't like it. I don't know, man. I mean, especially with, like, the notion of, of thinking that this is not going to help um, Roman get over more, especially since I understand that they're basically saying, I, I, I think this is going to be a one-and-done, guys, honestly. Um, I think that they're going to do it at this pay-per-view. It might go to Survivor Series, but I seriously doubt that. There might be, like, a little bit more left over from the teams that they make. I don't know. But I don't think this is going to be like a normal thing, and I think this actually successfully, if if he get he's getting more of a pop, you know that this could increase because of nostalgia. And yes, that is kind of dumb, but at the same time, um, who knows? Uh, I think that you got to admit, and this has nothing to do with the shield stuff. He's been getting a heck of a lot more positive attention when it comes to audience. He obviously has the most attention, period, because everyone won't shut the fuck up, just like a Cena, but. It seems to me like the last three shows that people have been a hell of a lot more happier about Roman Reigns than they have been. I, I could agree with that, but I, I don't. I, I think it has more to do with his match with Cena than it, it and the promos that came out of that, and the fact that. Roman Reigns, I, I feel like Roman Reigns has been built well this year, and I think it has less, I mean, people are always going to get excited when they see the Shield together, but I don't necessarily think that this one segment is what made people start maybe turning the corner on Roman Reigns a little bit. 
Uh, I feel like Cena raising his arm in the middle of the ring and then Cena walking back and then everyone talking about if it's Cena's last match or not means a lot more than, like, them powerbombing someone. It's a very good point. We'll have to see how it plays out. Um, and the funny thing is, I mean, when it comes to me and you, you were probably watching wrestling when when the Shield was going, when they were in their heyday. I never actually saw any of that shit live. I've only gone back and watched. So just funny how, were you not a fan of it, I guess, beforehand when they were originally a heel team? I, I mean, the thing about the, the weird thing about the Shield is they were not really a heel team. They got stuck in an area of gray where they just kind of showed up and did stuff, almost like Raven's flock a little bit. Weren't they like CM Punk um, bodyguards at first? No, they definitely had a match against CM Punk. Um, CM Punk was mostly your anti-authority type person. The Shield kind of just ran through everyone. Dean Ambrose became the U.S. champion, um, held the belt. It looked like they were going to go, like, we're going to get the tag titles. He's going to be the U.S. champion. And then they changed that up a little bit and shifted Seth Rollins into being, you know, Triple H's guy and then broke up the Shield. And they may have pulled the trigger on that a little too early. I think a lot of people uh, have problems with that. And a lot of people, I think, problems in general with the fact that Roman Reigns has never changed music. He kept the same entrance for so long. He hasn't really changed. I wouldn't say he hasn't changed his in-ring style at all, but he is kind of like those moves that he did was like his hot tag move. So Dean and Seth would sell forever. He gets hot tags, Superman punch, Superman punch. They set him up with the triple power bomb or the power bomb spot. And that was kind of their thing in general. Um, so I, 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 it's a weird situation, but I like at this point, I, I still feel like even though Roman gets booed and cheered and he's in the weird John Cena status, like, people's knowledge of who Roman Reigns is is still way above, like, Dean Ambrose or Seth Rollins for the average person. Um, and to just have him beat John Cena and he's going to be your WrestleMania main event, the only way that this works out positively for me is if you just have Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose beat the shit out of him and then he has to fight both of them and they both go heel. Or something of that nature. Like, it's got to be some That would be fucking term. awesome. You're uh, not going to do that, but so, that would be amazing. But, like, for, all, for everything else, it's more like they're just throwing the audience a bone, and I hate being pandered to. Um, yeah. In that scenario, like, when they brought the Hardys back, I, I was excited about the Hardys because I felt like they had worked their ass off to get back to where they were. And also, I thought they were going to come in with their gimmick and not, like, have to uh, low-key not do their thing. I thought that would have been really cool to go against, like, you know, Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family and all all of that stuff. Uh, I thought could have been done a lot better. But if they're just straight going for, like, a nostalgia pop for, like, one pay-per-view because they don't have anything for Roman to really do without giving him a title match, it's just kind of, eh. And then it doesn't really, if the end plan is to get Reigns to Mania, the only way it makes sense is if you really make Seth and Dean turn against him in a crazy way. Um, and I don't think that they're going to do that. Uh, so I, I don't know. I still just think the idea of the Shield in general being back together or maybe being back together um, 
isn't necessarily needed together. for the guy that it's not needed for the guy that beat the Undertaker, that beat Braun Strowman, that beat John Cena. Like it's just not needed for him, and it's more like they need him, and they haven't sold it hard enough that Dean and like Seth actually need to convince this guy. See, if you were doing this right, you would make it like Dean and Seth are consistently getting their ass beat as tag champions. They make one save for him, convince Roman that they're all friends again, and then Roman pisses them off and they jump him. Like, that would be the way to book that so that it actually made sense. Um, and then you turn those two heel and they can be your big top-tier heel tag team and you can move off uh, Sheamus and Cesaro into singles or whatever you want to do with them. Uh, but the way they're doing it, just seems like here's a nostalgia pop and uh, the worst part about it is even if, if this thing does last two survivor series, you have the shield on raw versus who on like who on SmackDown. That's a good point. You're going to have like, um, are you, are you going to have the Usos in the new day versus the shield and three random people? Or are you going to have like, are you going to have I Kevin Owens to and the, uh, Sammy Zayn make um, up? Has, has, has uh, the New Day ever gone just against the Shield, like three on three? No, but I mean, the problem with that is they're not going to put the New Day over. Well, I'm just talking about a so, cool match to match up, that's all. No, no, no. That well, would be fucking awesome, r- r- though. And a lot of fun. I think, a, uh, I think there's ways to do that with the New Day where they could. Survivor Series. Cool, they're not going they can, to. But uh, I, I feel like it's more going to be like, okay, well, if we take this thing to Survivor Series, now we've got to figure out a way that Kevin Owens can be part of this team. You know, and, and it makes sense. Or unless you do something like where you have AJ Styles, John Cena, um, God, I'm you know, I'm just trying to like Sami Zayn, I guess. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, you're putting up like three of biggest, like Raw's biggest stars, and then I get what you're saying. Yeah, SmackDown is more There's... like if they're all faces. Now you're in a weird spot where SmackDown is more one for one. Like you have one good guy, one heel, one good guy, one heel, one good guy, one heel. Um, it's more even as opposed mm-hmm. to Raw, where you have like. I don't know. Do they have any good guys? I mean, yeah, I can't think of them now, but I get what you're saying. Like I, I, I basically understand. I understand what you're saying. I just think personally, just because, you know, it could be interesting. I kind of hope that your scenario happens where they turn on, on Roman and Roman, I think would actually work really well from there. I don't think it's going to happen, but we'll find out. Like I said, I really believe that, this is probably going to be a one-time thing, maybe at most something else to Survivor Series. I don't think it's going to be anything after that if it is just them teaming up for this one thing. And maybe it is a cheap cheap pop, if you will, uh, but we'll have to find out what they're planning. All I know is, at least going to this pay-per-view, most of the stuff that Raw and SmackDown are putting together, even that, like, like, uh, like Bryce was saying, uh, even with Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt, they actually made that somewhat interesting. It's like everything going forward, they're doing a good job, at least the writing. It's the execution, obviously, we have to worry about. But um, you brought up a good thing that I want to talk to you about that I completely forgot about until just now. 
What about the rumors that Kevin Owens, after this pay-per-view, might be going back to Raw? Uh, do you think that – how do I put this? Do you think that would benefit Kevin Owens, uh, especially how they just built him on SmackDown? And who would you trade? Because it has to be a trade, I would assume, for that to work out, Chris. Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe to SmackDown and Kevin Owens to Raw. That's would, actually a pretty good trade. idea because they're not going to do they're not going to do Finn Balor. Um, and I feel like Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles is a match that people still care about because they watch the Ring of Honor matches and uh, their TNA matches. And I also feel like you don't have to worry about building Samoa Joe back again on Raw, um, where Kevin Owens has been not injured. Like, Kevin Owens has consistently been like a John Cena, knock on wood, where he's been in there day day in, day out, keeping his character going, where Samoa Joe got hurt, so now he's got to come back in and rebuild it and reestablish his character. Um, and I, I, I don't know, Kevin Owens with the fact that you still have Triple H and Stephanie in the fold on Raw at some point makes sense um, to some extent, depending on how they come out of this pay-per-view. Uh, it just it just depends. If, if he demolishes Shane McMahon, then Shane McMahon can trade him and be like, we just can't control this guy. And then he has a good send-off to Monday Night Raw. Um, it just depends on how they book this thing. If If, if if Shane McMahon wins this match, to me, it, it, it will take the wind out of the sails of the trade that I just said. But if he if he beats the shit out of Shane McMahon and wins the match, uh, unless they have something coming for him after that, it would make sense to Shane McMahon to be like, I don't want this guy on my roster. I don't want anything to do with him. He talked about my kids. He beat me up in front of my children. Like, there's ways to play that out where it's like they're sending a complete badass over to Raw. And then you can do what, with whatever whatever you want with Kevin Owens at that point because Kevin Owens can play heel or face. He can fit the Samoa Joe role where you're like, I don't want a monster, but I, I want kind of a monster. He can play a shitbag heel if he needs to. He can he can uh, do more of the uh, – more of like when he was cheating to win with Chris Jericho, or he can just play like an absolute powerbomb John Cena my first night on Raw. It just depends on what Kevin Owens you want to portray. And that's the great thing about him as a professional wrestler is he can fit all of those molds and, and dedicates himself 100% to all of those, which is why he's one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, so to me, I think he's the perfect fit. And I think Samoa Joe is the opposite, where he could go to SmackDown and become a dominant force and take someone like Rusev and destroy him, Dolph Ziggler destroy him. Um, and you can build up uh, rematches between him and AJ Styles and him and Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, because he yeah. took Nakamura's, you know, like Nakamura took his title. So in NXT, it's just, it's just how you want to book it and how you want to play it out. But those would be, that would be my trade. And then outside of that, maybe, maybe a Chris Jericho trade something involving Chris Jericho. Um, I wish they played up, uh, like I said previously on podcast, like an actual sports trade deadline before WrestleMania um, and like a free agency signing and made it actually yeah. more like like actual sports. Like in hockey, for instance, you got you, like after the season ends, you have to re-sign these certain people 
then you have the draft, and then you have a free agency. Like, you know, then you have, like, a period of people that just didn't get drafted, and then you have, like, a trade deadline for where shit's just not working out. And there's ways, like, of course it can't work perfectly because of the way the WWE draft works, but I feel like you could just take an easy concept that's been in, like, every sports thing ever and apply it to wrestling and make that work. And a lot of people that watch wrestling, even if they don't have a giant grasp of sports, they can still understand, like, the fact that, like, oh, man, they got to sign this guy within this particular time or trade him or they're just going to lose him and he's going to become a free agent. So there's things you could do with that. And it also makes, like, uh, Internet rumors about contracts and all that stuff a little more obsolete. Because you can kind of control it internally, where it's like you can bullshit where the contract point. is. Um, and I think there's cool well, things no. that you can do with that. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, that's honestly some of the stuff that it goes back to how I feel about New Japan. Some of the presentation, not, not contract and stuff like that, but how they legitimately keep, um, like, when they're doing their tournaments and, like, the layout of everything and, like, uh, the after, you know, NXT kind of tries to do, like, the whole, like, talking afterwards to a bunch of, like, media personnel, but you can obviously tell in New Japan that there's actually relevance and, and realness to that, but the way that they play it off, like, it's like it's an actual sport, it really brings a lot to it, and is one of the reasons why I like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I could definitely see them doing that. It would make a lot of sense, especially since they have two brands. Why not treat it like that, like they are two brands? But I completely agree with you. I think that the best person to trade is Samoa Joe. Have him show up um, once he's ready. Uh, Daniel Bryan presents him. He could have a good match with everyone. Samoa Joe's great because he's a big guy that can actually work with the little guys. Kevin Owens is great because he's a, you know, a middle-sized guy that can do either or. He can look intimidating next to Brock Lesnar. He can look great against his best friend Finn Balor in a match. You know, he could look great against half the roster over there and vice versa for Samoa Joe. So I think, honestly, I really – it's probably like the fourth time I told you this tonight, Chris, but I hope what you're saying ends up happening. I just don't think – I always think the worst, unfortunately, when it comes to WWE. But uh, let's keep on moving. We've got a couple more subjects. All right, so once again, and I don't know how much – we don't have to go too deep into this, Chris, but now Matt Hardy is promising a big change in his character coming soon. All right, they teamed him with Jason Jordan. I think that was just a temporary thing. I've been saying – and I think that you agree with me, is that I think the best person next to bring out the broken, woken, whatever you do, Matt Hardy, because that's what makes it look like from this statement that that's what he's going to be trying to do, because uh, why would we want a different character than that? You know what I'm saying? But um, is Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt's going to come out of something. The Finn Balor, you have the two of those crazy guys go at it. When they were both at their height of popularity, people wanted this match and I think they have less want because of where both the guys are at, especially Bray Wyatt. But I think they could bring out the best of each other. Um, it looks like they're definitely going to do a singles run. And now, unfortunately, it sounds like Jeff is out, I think, up to nine months. So he might not even be back from Mania. Um, but uh, how do you feel about this statement? Do you think it's really going to mean much since, you know, all the other stuff? Like, we almost got the – we almost got him! fucking TNA screwing up again, or Impact, whatever the hell you call it, and then they're like, we almost got it, we're, we're walking now. Like, how do you feel about it, Chris? I almost feel, in a sense, that 
you have to start – you have – well, th- I mean, this is not in a sense. It, you have to start building that up to the Intercontinental title against the Miz. And then have Miz push him to the point of breaking, whether he breaks or not. Maybe he wins the title and Miz wins. And the reason I say this is because going back, like when we're talking about before he came, when he left Impact, that they had the Hardy stuff. You're talking about October, November of last year. So it's been almost a full year. And I know fans will click with it and they'll realize immediately, hey, that's what he's doing. Like diehard fans will but I think some of that has died down. Uh, and I feel like you need to establish him as just a guy that's really working hard to get a title and was pushed to the brink and then cracks. And Bray would be a good person for that, but then also you just put Bray in two matches where he lost against Finn Balor. You're probably going to have one more. You're already doing this Sister Abigail thing. I feel like that you need to break him in a different, and then you can still do something fun with Bray Wyatt after the fact, but Bray Wyatt can't be the guy that brings out the worst in everyone all the time and not win, like not win the feuds. Like at some point you have to have, you either have to decide you're going to put Bray Wyatt over and have him in that situation where you can bring this person out of people, or you have to put someone in a position like a Matt Hardy who gets broken for a completely different reason. Like when Matt Hardy started breaking on TNA, it had nothing to do with dark forces or anything else. He just started becoming that character slowly over time and then became that guy um, for little shit. So like something like the Miztourage just slowly pecking away at him and talking about his brother and then, his family, and then it builds up to him breaking, and then you can do a match with Bray Wyatt, and hopefully you build Bray Wyatt back up, and then that makes more sense to me um, than just diving straight in headlong, but uh, like Matt Hardy can have a good match with pretty much anyone on that roster if they want to put forth the effort, and I feel like he will have a better match with Bray Wyatt um, than say like a Finn Balor, and that's nothing. That's not saying anything about Finn Balor's skill. It's more just the two styles fit better together. Yeah. Uh, so it's I don't know. It's a weird thing. No, I, I, I agree. Think, I actually. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say I don't know that they have the rights to that yet, and GFW still up in the air um, with everything they have going on. So it's either come up with an original character or build this guy up as, like, I don't want to say, like, all right, think Rocky Six, where Rocky <laughs> is already retired. He's basically done. He comes back for one last run. Like, build him as that and kind of make him more of a Daniel Bryan sympathetic person who gets broken, who becomes the broken Matt Hardy again, if you're going to go that route, more so than just, like, hey, Bray Wyatt said some stuff, and uh, it triggered me, so now I'm broken that hardy. Because to me, that's like, at this point, because they just did it with Finn Balor, and they're still kind of doing it, and if they're going to push this out, if they got to get it done before nine months, it's going to be too soon for it to mean anything. No, I agree. I think that him against a Miztourage is a better scenario. Especially, I mean, it would... It would make it juicier. I don't think he would uh, because Miz is probably going to have the title forever. 
Uh, but if you want it, and then the next person that he's in line for a feud with is Bray Wyatt. I just like to see the two of them tangle uh, later on. But I agree with what you're saying. Uh, let's let's do a uh, a little bit of fan casting, if you will. One of my favorite practices. Uh, so WWE apparently wants Bradley Cooper to play Vince McMahon. Now, when it came to Vince. Um, I always wanted John Hamm. Chris had the amazing idea of Michael Shannon. Um, so I definitely want to talk about the casting, specifically of Bradley Cooper playing him, if we think that he could do it, which I love Bradley Cooper, so automatically I think I'm going to be for this concept. I didn't even think of him. And also a couple other people. Um, so I guess start off, Chris, uh, what do you think about this casting, if it ends up becoming real? Do you think that Bradley Cooper could handle this role well? And um, we'll go from there afterwards. We'll go from my reaction, and we'll kind of talk about some other people who we'd like to see play them in the movie, if you will. If you will, BB. Um, I think Bradley if you will, Cooper, baby. I think, uh, I think Bradley Cooper is a great choice. I think he's an amazing actor. Um, God, he's done so much. It's like even trying to think about his movies right offhand. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but I, I feel like he could play the perfect 1990s Vince McMahon, um, especially in the transition period where he's getting his ass kicked by Ted Turner, uh, like ninety, like nine, like late 95, 96, up to like Stone Cold. I feel like he's perfect for that role. And then I wonder if they do more of like a Bob Dylan thing where they have a transitional Vince McMahon. Where I would love that. It's different actors, but it's like, it's still Vince McMahon because Vince McMahon is such a character in itself that I feel like there's so many good choices that you could have playing, but Bradley Cooper is a, is a good choice. Um, yeah, man, I, I just... Uh, I'm just like I want to look at his IMDb page to see like what kind of like the drama is done. I mean I know him most for uh, you know American Cipher of course, Guardians of the Galaxy, and then uh, like The Hangover, probably the three big ones that I know him for. And, uh, uh, what's the movie he did um, with um, uh, where he's bipolar silver, and he's and silver, silver lining playbook. silver linings playbook? Yeah, never I love that movie. Age. I've never seen him play anyone as outlandish as Vincent Van. No, the most like, arrogant I would I would say is the uh, the character they played on on the uh, the Hangover. Um, I mean, the most intense and he usually plays well. I, American Hustle, he was something different. He's definitely a good character actor, but I see what you're saying. Sorry. Yeah, and it's it's not that I don't think that he could do it. It's just, I w- it'd be interesting to see even the casting of that, like the casting uh, movie of him playing a Vince McMahon. And I think they, I hope they do it in two different scenarios where they have Vince McMahon, the family man, the businessman, and then Vince McMahon, the TV character, because those are two different completely fucking things. Absolutely. One's like Disney Um, and the other one's like Hitler. Well, one is, I mean, one is a worker, one is a wrestler. So it's a weird situation for an actor, which I don't think they hit a lot where they, they're playing an actor acting. Yep. And it says. So that becomes I mean, a little, the, you know. 
I wanted to start off with him young when they were poor, honestly. And I'm, you know, I, I just I think that if people saw the transition of Vince McMahon's struggle and his family and this his dad making this huge rise to rival NWA in New York or yeah, New York and the, the northern area, and then when he took over what he did, like I want there to be a part where he's taking over the territories and we get to see that. Now, how far it's gonna go? Maybe a little bit after Attitude Era, you can end it. You don't really have to go in the future where everyone's old and gray. You know, maybe if you want to, but I think the Attitude Era is the best spike, and obviously stuff went down after that. Maybe you want to have John Cena in it, like, well, someone playing John Cena, or maybe, like, the intro of him. But, you know, there's no reason to go that far. I would rather be transition of him as a child, go right into, like, him you know, older, and then progressing into, like, you know, owning the company and then going from there. But let's talk about some some fantasy casting. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out my first idea to you. I'll, I'll throw out two, actually. Um, and then if you have any ideas, go for it, or you can, like, discuss uh, my idea. I think that Rory McCann, who is known for both Hot Fuzz and Game of Thrones, he plays the Hound on Game of Thrones, the dude is 6'7", uh, he's 48. I think that with camera angles, because you got to realize with this, with some of these guys, there's no way that you're going to be able to get someone the size of some of these wrestlers. You're going to have to use camera angles and just make the guys look cut. I think that Roy could be a great Under the Giant. I've been saying for him for the Under the Giant biopic that's coming out. Um, and uh, I would think uh, the guy from Better Call Saul, I just forgot his name, um, Bob Odenkirk. I think that he would be terrific as Bobby the Brain Heenan. Those are just right off my head, two of them I had. That is a great call on the Bobby Brain, uh, the Bobby the Brain Heenan role. Um, I can definitely see the Hound doing something similar uh, for Andre the Giant, but, uh, man, I'm trying to think of his name. This would obviously require some makeup, but I, I'm going to slaughter his name. Um, is it uh, Javier Bardem that played the Javier main Bardem. in No Country? Yeah, the main yeah. from uh, from No Country uh, for Old Men. I think they yeah, would make dude. a really great, really really great Andre the Giant. I feel like he is slept on an actor, and I feel like that he could easily learn a French accent. I don't think it would be a super hard transition for him. And he has the height and size to actually do a young, a young Andre the Giant, and then they could make up on like fat or whatever they wanted to do, or CGI well, it later on. With him, the whole Hogan plan. Well, with him, and just like we were saying, like I have an idea for Stone Cold Steve Austin about to throw out there, but with Javier Bardem, he is five eleven, but if you just use camera angles and and certain other things and a body double you'll be fine based on how you, uh, the cinematography shot. So you could definitely, this is going to require a good cinematographer and a good director. These are a lot of these guys. Oh, geez. I, I thought think, he was so much taller than, I would thought he was so much taller than that because of No Country. He presents himself so tall in, um, in uh, No Country for Old Men. He, he just seems, because I always said him for Bane and everyone's like, why? He's short. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, holy shit, he is 5'11". But um, but oh, he can still do but, it. I mean, I that's, mean, you just need that's good filming, though. Like, the Coen brothers made that shit work. There's your perfect example of, like, you can take a character that's Absolutely. not necessarily that size and make it fucking work. Like, when he's... All right, perfect example in that particular movie, when he's looking down at the uh, the gas station attendant and he says, heads or tails, 
that's like a perfect example for me of him looking like a fucking giant. Like he looks massive in comparison. Um, I feel like there's ways to film that to make that work. That we. You could definitely do it, and you definitely have to definitely take the voice and tone it down a little bit. So if he already sounds like that, because you know they're going to, like, you know, lower it an octave because he has such a deep voice. I mean, it'll be convincing enough. I think, personally, the thing that might change it is age. Uh, but even if – I still think you could do it. If you got Woody Harrelson to play Stone Cold Steve Austin, I think he would nail that motherfucker. If you watch him in Zombieland, a lot of movies he's in, he just kind of has the same vibrato, the same type of eye work. And – yeah, he's a little bit up there, but with a lot of this, I'm assuming that that they're going to be spending money. Uh, so, and age technology is becoming more and more big. So, some of these guys going to have to happen. I also think, and you know, this is really out there. I don't think they, they have enough money to be able to get this whole entire cast. This is completely fan casting. But I would love to see um, Ryan Gosling. Actually, I think would be a really good nature boy, Ric Flair. I think that if he watched the promos, studied him, he's got the look, he's got a good body on him. He wouldn't have that any problems doing it. And I also to see you do John Cena as, as Hulk Hogan. I think that would be a good homage. I think that would be great. I think even Hulk would like that. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else, and I'll, I'll pass it to you now. Like, I have no idea who played The Rock, um, the younger Rock, at least in my head. Um, I have no idea who played Macho Man Randy Savage. Actually, you know who could play Macho Man? Is, um, oh, man, who's in Warrior? with uh, with um, Tom Hardy. Not Tom Hardy, but the one who plays his brother. Joel Edgerton. Um, he could play a pretty good Randy Savage. He, he definitely has, like, the look face-wise. What do you got? What do you got, Abby? Man, I don't have anything for Stone Cold. It's so hard. I'm just like, well, just cast fucking Stone Cold. Like, Someone said crap. fucking Jason Statham. And I was like, what? I was like, why? Because they're bald? I mean, like, I, like, young Bruce Willis would be my actual answer, but, like, but fuck, you can't just pick young Bruce Willis. <laughs> I don't have a time machine. Um, That's the same thing with Woody Harrelson. He's, he might be a little bit too old. He's older than Stone Cold, I think, is right now. Is Edward Norton older than Stone Cold? See, I, I, I want to say they're around the same age. Hold on. Keep on thinking. Uh, who, who, who the fuck would play The Undertaker? You definitely have to get certain actors to play certain guys. All right, so Austin. Undertaker, Undertaker, I feel like it's a little easier. Um, man, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like. Do Do you get Jason Momoa to play Roman Reigns? <laughs> I don't think they're gonna get that far, but yeah, Jason Momoa would like nail a Roman Reigns. Just, right, we so, can just Google hot hot Samoan guys yeah. wearing bullets. Woody Harrelson is a year older. So unless they they were in the future and like Stone Cold is talking to him, Woody Harrelson's actually a year older than Stone Cold. Who did you suggest? Uh, Edward Norton, which Edward would be Norton. like a hard get probably for a wrestling film. Forty-eight, it's ten years younger. Man, he really definitely does not look like someone that could. Uh, like the only time he's ever looked intimidating as shit is American History X, uh, which he does look intimidating as shit in that movie. Probably because he's playing a neo-Nazi skinhead that fucking curb stomps people. But that's that's not what this show's about. Um, either way, so Louis, I guess we Louis call C.K. <laughs> Patrick, Patrick Louis C.K. as Louis, <laughs> Louis C.K. as Mean Gene Oakland. How about that? <laughs> sure, that'd be no? awesome. No, I, I mean, that yeah, one's I really hard for me. Oh, because oh, 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 oh what's, for me. What, what's his name? Um, 
Oh, man. I, I, now I just fucking forgot his name. Damn it. Um, shit, he was in Sideways. He's a big actor. Paul Giamatti as, as uh, Paul Heyman. Why not just have Paul Heyman be Paul Heyman? Be hilarious. Because we're making a freaking movie, okay? I don't know if he's a good actor or not. <laughs> Come That's on. why they don't invite me to castings, because I'm like, um, Paul Heyman was in Rollerball, and that was pretty funny. Fucking rollerball, Chris. All right. Anyways, Ro- um, rollerball fixer. But I, I didn't get to talk about how good Michael Shannon would be for Vince McMahon. Gah. <laughs> well, you know, you could have gone into it. All right. Actually, hold on one second. Rewind. Chris, how do you feel about your choice, Michael Shannon as Vince McMahon? I think it's fucking great. Michael Shannon's a great actor. You should definitely watch Shotgun Stories and uh, Mud and uh, pretty much every other movie he's been in because he's fucking awesome. The cast, Michael Shannon. Bradley Cooper's great and all, but he's getting way too much love. Michael Shannon needs more love as young Vince McMahon, specifically 1987 to 1997 Vince McMahon. I agree. I approve this message. All right, last now, who's gonna topic. Play, who's gonna Who's gonna play Shawn Michaels? Is the real question. Oh man! Is uh, it gonna be God. Ryan Gosling? <laughs> no. She could get um. Damn it! Who's arrogant as shit in real life that could like just just his demeanor? Uh, could definitely handle it. Like if Shia LaBeouf didn't look like Shia LaBeouf, I would actually go for someone like that, like a good actor, but he's got his fucking he's got problems. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, right, hope, I got, I I got one. That. What's that? I got one more. I got one more for you with John Cena. <coughs> it's completely out there. Channing Tatum as John Cena. <laughs> yeah, I can see that too. Like a lot of people are probably gonna be like Mark Wahlberg, and I'm like, why? Mark Wahlberg's like fucking 15 years older than John Cena. Uh. Just because they're from both in Boston. People can learn accents. They're called actors, people. Jesus. But I like that. I do like Channing Tatum as John Cena. I think that would be kind of funny, him having to, like, do that whole thing. Like, go get him, kid. All right. Anyways, or last topic. I swear Channing to God, Tatum Chris. In the, in the studio rapping, bro. Like, imagine Channing, Stadium, or Channing Tatum doing the time is, up, time is now. It would be... It would be a mon. Uh, I I hope that they don't actually take time to fucking do the studio take of the time is now with John Cena in the Vince McMahon biopic. Uh, all right, are we sure we're done with the topic? Turning into Chris Harley and shit. Right, I'm gonna take that as a yes. Last topic: an MMA fighter actually pulled off a full Boston Crab submission in a live fight. Watch the video. It was pretty fucking cool. Saw a bunch of people reporting at this first. They fucking to the Walls of Jericho. You nitwits. Walls of Jericho pretty much is a Boston Crab. There's a difference between the Lion Tamer and the fucking Walls of Jericho. So, just to let you know, it's an old school move called the Boston Crab. I think Luthez was the first guy to fucking use it or some bullshit like that, I'm sure. But, um, it was pretty cool. I like seeing stuff like that. Now, if they can get the figure four to get deadly, that would be amazing. Chris, how do you feel about this MMA fighter pulling off a Boston Crab? And did you watch the video? I saw the video. 
like, what round was this in where this guy completely gave up on defending himself and the ref did not stop the fight? <laughs> because he was, like, kind of defending himself, and then he was just like, I'm done, and laid down, and the ref did nothing. <laughs> and he just got put in a Boston crab. So either A, it was a work, or B, the guy was so damn tired, the ref should have called the fight to begin with because he was just going to catch an ass whooping. So either way, it's kind of bad ultimate fighting, I guess. I don't know, mixed MMA, sorry. That's the proper term, right? Um, but what I will say is if you watch Chris Jericho doing Walls of Jericho lately, that is just a Boston Crab. But back when he first came in, he did the standing Boston Crab, and that was more of the Walls of Jericho. But it was really was funny the to hear the announcer. They're the same thing. He just renamed it when he left WCW to go to WWE. They're, so I didn't get the announcer. They are two separate moves in WW2K, okay? They're two separate moves. God. Okay. Well, they're both Boston crap. So I didn't give the announcer as much shit as fucking Dane did. He probably just thought it was really funny that there was a, like, legit wrestling move that never happens in MMA happening. My, like, me as a commentator would be like, why didn't he stop this fight? Like, he could have broke this guy's neck if he really wanted to or just murdered him from behind because this guy's obviously not defending himself. But outside of MMA sports, it was fucking awesome (laughs) to see a guy get put in a Boston crab. I wish that Mauro Ranallo was the guy announcing, like, oh, if you look right now, oh... Chris Jericho's move. All right, anyways. Um, well, that was the news, guys. That was the topic. So why don't we go over a little pay-per-view that's coming out called Hell in the Cell. Then we'll do some, uh, you know what, fuck it. We're going to do some fancy booking. And if we have a little bit of time, we'll go over some of the highlights of Ron SmackDown. Um, yeah, you know, when we start doing Thursdays and we can actually equivalent NXT, we'll probably go more of the shows. But I promise you, they're both great shows, but we've gone over a majority of what the hell is going to happen. So I'd rather have fun with the show. I think Chris would too. Um, And you guys always have fun. That's why you listen, right? By the way, if you want to join the conversation like our friend Bryce did earlier, just call 929-477-3781. You'll be on hold. Press 1, and then you'll join the conversation with us. All right. Let's go over some of these matches, Chris. Out of order, obviously. And if I forget any, let me know. I'm on a page that apparently was updated a couple hours ago, so I hope they're not fucking wrong. First Probably one we'll shoot go me over. that link. What's that? Then shoot me that link as well. But yeah, we totally. Let's go. Yeah. First one, Natalia versus Charlotte, WWE SmackDown women's title match. I'm not, once again, saying that's a match on the card. I have no idea where it is. But it's the first one we're going to talk about. This is the first one this website presented me. So while I'm trying to message Chris this website, I'll let him talk first. And then I'll go uh, talk. I don't know why I explained that. Chris, save me. Man, okay, so this one's a real hard match for me because Natalia just won the title, and I really hate swapping titles really, really fast. But it makes a lot of sense to get the title on Charlotte as fast as possible, unless there's going to be some sort of interference. Uh, my prediction for the match is for there to be some kind of run-in uh, probably Carmella attempting to cash in and then not being able to, and Natalia pulling off the sharpshooter for the win. That is my guess on what will happen, setting up a either a three-way match or just a rematch between Charlotte and Natalia with some kind of clause 
Uh, it could be a no DQ clause or a cage match type scenario um, because I feel like they feel really confident in Natalie's ability to have a really good match with Charlotte. So I feel like we're going to get at least one more match. Um, so that's my guess on what would happen. I mean, that's that a really good guess. Match. I think that that definitely could be the case. We'll definitely get another match out of this. What I want to know, uh, since I pretty much agree with you, is, Chris, when the fuck is Carmella going to cash in her money in the bank? Like, is she going to wait, like, until it's, like, seven months in? I mean, I don't know when I, – I, all I know with when money in the bank is usually it's cashed in pretty quickly after winning it. Do, is it. Is it normal sometimes for, like, people to go, like, seven months out or, like, right before Mania or something like that? not necessarily normal, but Seth Rollins held his all the way to Mania before he cashed it in, so it's not unheard of. Oh. Uh, so it's very possible she could hold it all the way to WrestleMania, and then uh, if they're doing some sort of weird 3v4, 4v4, 4 horsewomen's match, <laughs> for instance. Well, all right. Let me, let me, let me see if this cash in more then. More. All right, so they have at Survivor Series the 4-4 horsewoman match. The next pay-per-view, uh, or I'm trying to think, like, Charlotte wins the title. They have that match. She's the champion. Before they get to Mania, where maybe for whatever reason, Carmella takes it from Charlotte, and then Charlotte goes against Ronda Rousey at Mania by themselves, uh, and Carmella has to face whoever else. Um, man, there is, like, I hope Paige ends up going to SmackDown, like, well, it's not that they don't need they they don't have a bunch of great wrestlers like Becky Lynch. Maybe Becky Lynch at Mania. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know if that's going to happen. They, have or not, the, but, uh, they, all, they also have, they also have um, Naomi. Tamina. So. Oh yeah, yeah. They have Tamina and Naomi, who are both great wrestlers. It's just a matter of building it. Um, but I could see a scenario where we don't get that particular match you're talking about at Survivor Series, and we get that at Mania instead. And it's not only do we get this high-fast match, but we also get Carmella stealing the title at Mania because they did it before, and it really, really worked and drew a lot of attention to Seth Rollins. So it's very possible oh, they do something like that as well. And, and like Shayna Baszler and Ronda and Shayna and all the other girls like hold the other ones back while she goes in there and just clears out Charlotte real quick and takes the title from her. That would actually be pretty yeah, good but- if they were to do that. Yeah, because you don't have to necessarily cash in during a match. Like, any time you cash in, that starts the match. So even if the match is already over, you can still cash in and finish that shit out. But I think one thing that would be really cool um, that they should think about doing in the future is to have a time limit on the money in the bank. Like, you have this long to cash it in. That way, when you have these false cash-ins, they seem more legitimate once you get to, like, the one-month, the two-month marks of, like, is he going to cash it in or is he not going to cash it in? That kind of thing would make more sense where it's like, well, he's got two months and there's a four-way match. That's going to be a lot harder to cash in. I feel like that's the way that you can build that thing up a little bit longer. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I, to me, I think that's a cool concept that you can build into it because it is a contract inside that briefcase, supposedly. So Apparently. And that There's Fisher Price right <laughs> All right, let's go to what I think is going to be one of the best matches of the night: uh, the New Day versus the Usos, Hell in the Cell, WWE 
SmackDown tag team title match. Do the Usos take it off the New Day? I don't think they do personally. I think the New Day is going to get this, and it's going to be one hell of a match. And I don't even think, I don't know who's going in there. If they're doing the Kofi um, Xavier team or they're doing Big E against with one of them. But uh, I don't think there's going to be interference. I really don't. Uh, you know, I know the New Day will sometimes cheat, but I, I think on this type of shit, I, I think that would just make them look like heels. I could be wrong, but uh, Chris, who do you think is going to win this match? Oh, it's such a toss-up for me. I think the Usos might end up with the titles. And I know they're kind of hot-swapping the tag titles. Um, but the whole scenario of the New Day putting themselves in a situation where they're actually at a disadvantage in comparison to a normal match just based on the way that they wrestle and the fact that they kind of are a good guy, fabulous Freebirds, if that makes sense. They kind of are a good like, they're Eddie Guerrero, Fabulous Freebird. So it's like the Fabulous Freebirds cheated, but we're also good guys. That is the New Day. Um, because they cheat and shit, and they still get wins. And people are like, oh, my God, the New Day is awesome. Uh, I love you, Xavier. But, like, you basically just turn the gimmick a little bit. I get what you did. Appreciate it. Um, but, uh, to me, they put themselves at a disadvantage by being in hell in a cell because they're going to have one person outside of the cell and it would be awesome to see a referee actually call someone out for going in the cell and throw them to the back. Like, so yeah. like Xavier Woods is like, I'm going to scale this cage real quick, and the ref's like, you're out of here. Or it's a DQ. But also that doesn't make sense because in WWE world, DQ means you don't lose the titles. So it'll probably end up with Xavier Woods getting involved somehow and uh, New Day retaining the titles. But I feel like maybe Usos got some tricks up their sleeves, and hopefully, uh, I think the Usos might pull this one out. I'm going to go with the Usos on this, um, just because it seems like they've been giving the New Day a lot of time, and also people love when the New Days are chasing the titles. So. We'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, I, I'm going to go with the Usos. So my first pick was I had Natalia, and I have I have the Usos. So I think I have the two underdogs in both these matches. But I think that's I have Natalia and the New Day. But your scenarios make me think that I might have you know not thought about it. But whatever, I'm not taking it back, Chris. Uh, the next match that we have is AJ Styles versus Baron Corbin. Uh, for the WWE United States title match. I have to say, since Baron Corbin screwed over Ty Dillinger most of the times out of the matches between both guys, why couldn't they just make us a three-way? Because, uh, God, if Baron Corbin ends up winning the damn title, maybe that's what they're doing. They're like, hey, you're never ever going to get the main title, but you'll get the U.S. title. We'll take AJ and do something else with them. I don't know. I hope AJ Styles wins. Um, I don't really have any care for Baron Corbin with the U.S. title belt. Chris, how do you feel? I have AJ Styles winning. I just don't, like, I have no faith in anyone in the WWE thinking that Baron Corbin is a bigger star. And unless they're going to put the title on Nakamura, there's no reason to take the title off AJ Styles, and I just do not see that happening. Like, I, I just don't see them giving Nakamura the win in the next match to give AJ Styles a title, title shot against Nakamura. 
because he just lost the title. So booking wise, it doesn't make any sense. So I feel like AJ holds it here. Um, I could be completely wrong, but I just feel like they're kind of they kind of lock themselves in like a little booking circle, unfortunately. So I feel like AJ is going to hold it. Whoa, that doesn't sound like the WWE. All right, who do you think? Because I agree with you, and I think AJ is definitely going to win this. And I watched you wrong this weekend, but. If AJ does re- uh, retain the title, who is going to be the first to lose their mid-card belt between him and The Miz? AJ, because they'll have to push him up to get him to where he needs to be. Um, but he could lose it against someone like Sami Zayn that's more deserving. And I think fans will be okay with it. it well, you're not go about you, Chris. You're not me. I'm Baron Corbin. Yeah, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. Let's go to the next match. All right, we were just talking about it. Uh, I honestly don't think this is going to be the main event, even though it's for the WWE title match. I think they're saving the big Helen himself for last. So it makes sense to go Jinder Mahal versus Shinsuke Nakamura. I hate to say this, and I hope I'm so wrong, but I feel like Jinder's going to retain this because in December, they're going into India. They have dates in December in India. Why the fuck wouldn't they have their Indian guy be the championship while they were over there? Unless it's going to go back and forth, and I hope they don't devalue the fucking WWE title. Uh, that would just be stupid. What, you make Shinsuke an, uh, a champion for a month? And then put it right back on gender? I don't want to see that. I hate it when I do stuff like that. So, unfortunately, due to that fact, and due to the fact that I think they hate us as fans, we're going to see gender for a couple more months, and eventually Shinsuke's going to have to chase him, but we'll get it uh, post-December is what I think. I feel like they booked Nakamura badly, and now they're seeing his popularity wane a little bit in comparison to when he first showed up, and they're going to keep this belt on gender because they already had goals for where they want gender to take this title, <laughs> which I think the end goal oh. is gender versus John Cena at WrestleMania. As terrible as that sounds, I think that might be what's happening with John Cena winning his 17th championship to break Ric Flair's record in quotations. I just, so I, I just, I feel like I that's agree. where they're going. Like the, you see the expression on my face right now. I'm just disbelief. I mean, no. I've been saying this for months, and he's held the title on every prediction, so it's really hard for me to take against Jinder Mahal because he's proved me right like each of these pay-per-views. So I'm going to go Mahal once again and I also think he might hold this thing all the way till WrestleMania um, which is ridiculous but I do think that that, I I don't think that they focused the show around him enough for it to matter and they figured it out like you know, AJ Styles is a bigger star. We'll focus it around the U.S. title, and we'll have Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles or Sami Zayn versus AJ Styles, or they'll just build it around that, and they'll just have one random guy face Jinder Mahal that's going to lose. And right now, they feel like that one random guy is Shinsuke Nakamura, which is why I wanted Nakamura to go to Raw to begin with. Like, I felt like there was a lot more they could have done with him there. Um, I mean, I did love the AJ Styles... Nakamura idea and they could go there they could do Nakamura versus AJ Styles and get the title off AJ Styles that way but it's a it's a weird scenario they put themselves in they push Nakamura too hard too fast 
my opinion, especially knowing that they wanted to keep the belt on gender as long as they did. So damn over, man. It's I just don't understand the gender thing. I don't care if people get pissed off at me because I just think it's a freaking joke. He's not good on the mic. He's not that great in the ring. I don't care if he has a great body. His gimmick, I think that you give it to someone like Rusev, who's way more deserving. You would have built him this year. I wouldn't have minded some of the things that they had him, and Rusev would have had a hell of a lot better matches with Shinsuke Nakamura, Randy Orton, the whole nine yards. Um, I just thought it would, it's, and you know what's going to happen? This is probably going to be Rusev's last year. He's going to leave. And the reason I keep on saying him is because if, if it's like, all right, the mindset's like, we need to have this anti-American figure. I mean, you're, you, I, I'm done. I don't even want to fucking just. I mean, Rusev's going to have that credit. I mean, like even if even if Rusev leaves and doesn't wrestle and he just does indies. He's going to end up making the same amount of money, and then Lana still has Total Divas money. And then they can just build yeah. that into drama on the show and have but Lana you still like be that, part of WWE. But you, do you agree with like, me? I understand that. But do you agree with me that if this decision was Rusev originally, you would have had less of a problem with the approach of where they're going with him, you know, based on him being a better wrestler and better gimmick? Or maybe that's just me. I don't know. I mean, I really liked the idea of them turning Rusev face against Shane McMahon. It made a little more sense than Kevin Owens, who has gotten opportunities from the McMahon. Because um, the original idea was that was going to be Rusev's spot. If you go back to Rusev's Twitter, you can see like he was hyping that, of being like, well, I know. all these people are getting well, title I... shots, where the fuck is my title shot? And that, to me, would have been more entertaining than Kevin Owens versus Jamie Mann, which we're about to talk about. Mostly because well, I know, I know, I know. like the idea of, okay. Well, I'm just trying to say, that's not what I'm saying, though. I mean, I'm saying specifically for the gender concept. If it was Rusev that got that push, got the title, went against Randy Orton, went against the exact same layout this year, don't you think he would have had stronger promos and been a better person for that overall spotlight, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, yeah, but not for the India market. I don't know how big the Bulgar- the Bulgaria market uh, is. See, that's a stupid. Oh, God dang it! I keep on forgetting about that. I mean, but I agree. If I, you're asking me I if Rusev is better on the mic and a better wrestler, then the answer to that is yes. Like hands fucking down, he would have been better in that particular spot, but not necessarily for what they were trying to accomplish. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I agree. No, now, 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 I keep on forgetting about the whole India concept. All right, I have, I always have to forget. It's more about a look and money than it is about you know athletic principles. Sometimes when it comes to Vince McMahon, but I can't hate on him too much because he does a lot of stuff that I like. So I can be aggravated about it, but we'll just go down to the last match um, that we know of at least: Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens. You were alluding to it, and I do actually agree with your scenario though that Rusev in this situation would be better. But what they've done to KO. As a result of this whole entire thing and the headbutt and everything, it's really worked out well for his character. And even if he goes to Raw, I think he's built now as, if not the top heel, you know, on the same lines almost. One of the biggest stars they have, even bigger than he was before, which is crazy. I see this match going to Kevin Owens because Shane McMahon is the greatest loser of all time. Um, Last couple times, I mean, speaks for himself. He beat or he lost to, to AJ, he lost to The Undertaker. He's just a great spectacle wrestler when it comes to doing these crazy matches because he'll take these crazy freaking bumps. And, you know, I can't talk shit about Shane after the AJ match because he actually had a pretty damn good match with AJ. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing – he's such a trooper, man. The fact that he just took a table bump, 
out out in the arena and then came back in and was walking back towards the ring. The whole setup of last night between the two of them just going after each other was great. Um, I'm actually looking forward to this match, and usually it starts off, why the fuck Shane McMahon wrestling? And then you're like, all right, fuck it, let's just, let's go for it. And it's probably going to be balls to the wall. Do you, do you see it being any other way, and do you think that KO's got this, Chris? I I think that this is actually a better match than Kevin or like than AJ. I think this could end up being a better match than AJ versus Shane simply because Kevin Owens is so good at brawling that he can make this thing look yep. brutal. And also Shane is very good at brawling. That's like Shane McMahon's entire style. He doesn't really know great wrestling moves. Like he's not a five star wrestler like AJ Styles. Like AJ Styles had to set up moves. They probably planned that thing out for forever. He did a great fucking job at it. Like that was a really that was actually a pretty damn good match. It exceeded my expectations a hundredfold. But I think this match will end up being better. I do think Kevin Owens needs to get the win here because I feel like the like whatever plans they had set up for Triple H may be falling through. Um, it could be a Kurt Angle thing, but I think you might get Kevin Owens versus Triple H down the line. And I think this is uh, maybe either they're building, they're either building Kevin Owens or they're trying to establish Triple H as a good guy type figure. So I feel like that's a match that's going to happen is Kevin Owens versus Triple H, which will be a fucking awesome match. But I feel like that's definitely where they're going. Yeah. Um, and that's why the trade to Raw also makes sense. To get him out of there because he just brutalizes him and yeah, I, I think that I think that's that's what's exactly what's going to happen. I think it's going to be a fun match. I think they're going to do some crazy stuff. I don't know how he can outdo his Hell in the Cell with Undertaker from jumping off top with an elbow drop. So maybe the same exact thing will happen. Doesn't matter. We're going to pop regardless. Uh, but it should be interesting. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't think he has to do that because the idea is not to make Shane McMahon look good at this point. It's he should be making Kevin Owens look like a monster. He doesn't have to jump through anything crazy. Shane McMahon just has to like get absolutely destroyed. And as long as he gets absolutely destroyed, if he gets slammed through three tables, hit with like eighteen chair shots, like there's ways to do that where he doesn't have to jump off the hell in a cell. And Kevin Owens put out a really funny tweet, like like WWE was like, anyone remember what happened last time? Shane McMahon was in the hell in a cell, and Kevin Owens replied, yeah, he jumped off the top and lost. Lol. <laughs> and I was like, fucking awesome. <laughs> so, well, all right. I don't here's, think you have here's to Here's one that. match. Here's one match I forgot about that could be on the uh, card that just hasn't been announced yet. I was looking through what happened on SmackDown. We had Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler have another square down. So if we were to take the concept that Rude's going to be over against Ziggler, by the way, what the fuck is some of the booking decisions of Ziggler calling him out and saying he's only known for his entrance? If we're trying to get the man over, uh, like, I just don't understand decision-making. You guys, they, Triple H and, you know, actually Michael Cole, of all people, he's one of the creative people at NXT, they built this amazing heel who's so over still in this Ric Flair, Rick Rude type-esque, concept and like I, I really feel like they're gonna tr- they're trying to turn him baby face you know I think he'll have a great match with Dolph Ziggler but I don't want them to 
give the idea to the audience that this guy's just his entrance. Like, obviously he'll prove for himself, but some people don't pay attention to wrestling as much. It's all about flashiness. And if they, like, catch wind of this, Robert's done. <laughs> so if this might be a match, who do you think is going to win? Or with the whole scenario, do you think it was dumb of Bobby Roode to get called up by Dolph Ziggler about just being an entrance? I think it's dumb for his character because his character would have, like, as far as his NXT character, he would have fucking beat the shit out of him backstage. Like, he would have retaliated way harder. They haven't established Bobby Roode as a good guy. So the fact that Dolph Ziggler is calling him out, well, so, like, why should you care? And I feel like that's a concept that they miss on constantly. Yes, like, Bobby Roode has, like, a really cool theme song, but, like, his entire tenure on NXT was him being a shitty, shitty person. Like, a terrible bad guy that wanted to take over the entire company and make it all about himself. Like, he was, like, the Miz on steroids. Not literally. He's not like Bobby Roode's not there. He's always kind of looked the same. But you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You, if you're a shitty person and you move places and you're just a shitty person again, you haven't really established yourself as a good guy. You can't just have Dolph Ziggler say that you're like, the only reason you're popular is because you're entrance. And then you also say some shitty things to him, and you're supposed to care about the match because they're both supposed to be bad guys. Like, who gives a fuck? Problem. Is, I know. Like, what did Dolph Ziggler do other than piss, like pissing his Cheerios by saying your theme music's too good? Like, wh- what is the debate? Like, who has the better theme music? They should just have a rap battle instead of an actual fight because this isn't something people fight over. Like, if you want like a fight. Oh. That's a different thing. Like, a fight is like Jerry Lawler hit Terry Funk with a chair. It almost put Terry Funk's eye out. Terry Funk fought him in an empty arena with a fucking eye patch on. That's a reason to actually fight somebody. <laughs> Do you get what that I'm saying? Last week, like, it doesn't... gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Didn't they have a match not too long ago? Crazy old bastards. Um, no, I, I, I completely agree with you. I don't know, and I can't stand this whole entire Dolph Ziggler thing. I think it's like, wow, you're just going to beat him and make him do these stupid things, like do the warrior impression in front of Daniel Warrior. And, like, it's not that I'm the biggest fan of the warrior. I actually think he was a pretty shitty human being, honestly. He said some pretty homophobic and racist shit back in the day that we just, you know, just give him a foundation over. But still his wife, who I have no problem or quarrels with, that was stupid. And also... To make Dolph Ziggler go out there and impersonate Shawn Michaels and say, like, he's a crap performer when that's obviously his biggest influence just makes him look stupid. And, like, you just keep on well, making him, like, warm up the NXT guys for Maine, basically, with, with Shinsuke and now him. He's going to lose, though. You, you agree with that, too? Like, Bobby's got to go over. Yes, Bobby's going to go over. But, like, what he should have done is shit on both, trip, like, Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair – and then had Bobby Roode have a reason to be pissed off. So you could face turn that a little bit. Whereas, like, those are two of my biggest inspirations. Hell, I do a figure four. Or, like, he makes fun of Jake the Snake, and he's like, one of my moves is a fucking D. Like, bro, like, why are you shitting on my heroes? You're fucking trash. You haven't done anything. 
I that would have been more of a reason I wish for that them. Bobby Roode. He needs to call him up for the Shawn Michaels shift. That would be amazing. That would have been more of a reason yeah. to fight someone. If like if anyone shits on any of your heroes, like all right, Dane, if I fucking shit on Batman for twenty minutes, you're gonna have a real legitimate beef with me. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to being like you made fun I'd of my boiling. music one time. So yeah, exactly. Like. Like, how do they not understand trolling and how you get under people's skin? Because getting under someone's skin is not like, I made fun of your entrance music, even though everyone else likes it. Like, people make fun of Britney Spears all the time, but she still sold a gazillion fucking records. So, I don't know where that's going to Or Nickelback for that reason. Yeah, like, I don't know how you're going to, like, it's not going to make anyone want to fight you that's a fan of that person. Unless they're just super drunk, and then that's a different. Is Bobby Roode super drunk? Is he stone cold? <laughs> no, he's stone cold sober. All right, we actually might have one more match. I, I just was looking at this thing. I don't think it's been announced. But there's been a lot of stuff between the guys talking about earlier, Rusev and Randy Orton. So if we were to figure that they're going to be some type of match on this card, who do you think is going to win between the two of them? I mean, I feel like after what they did, Rusev's got to win. He's going to come out on top because I, I don't know. I actually have no good reason. I don't know where the writing is on this. I don't know if you give it to Orton be, or just give it to Rusev because Orton can can eat a pen and it's not going to affect him. I feel like eating a pen does affect Orton way more than they think it does. I feel like when Randy Orton came back and had that match with Brock Lesnar, people were super pumped to see him. And now when they see Randy Orton, they're like, all right, so we're going to get a CNRK out of nowhere, and they pop for the RKO, but for the rest of Randy Orton, they could give, like, two fucks less. And the entire match is built around whether you're going to get a pop out of that RKO. But, like, him as a personality, like, people don't care. Because they don't see him as the one that's going to win the match, first and foremost, um, because of the Jinder Mahal stuff. And and also they booked Rusev pretty strong going into this match. So it, I hope that he beats Rusev, but also it makes sense that Rusev beats him. But Rusev's contract's also ending at the end of the year, so this just could be like Randy gets a win. Now Randy's going to go be on the shelf for a little bit and then come back and it's like, yo, you guys remember that time he beat Rusev? So my guess is Randy is going to actually win this match because they don't give a like single fuck about Rusev or anything Rusev is doing, and they never really booked him to his full potential. Uh, unfortunately, that probably will happen. Uh, who knows? I just know that I listened to Edge and Christian's podcast, and they had Orton on, not too like probably about a week and a half ago, um, and he was talking about how he's been bugging creative, like he's like I want to be a heel again, like he's over being a baby face. And I have to say, when Randy's sinister, that's when he's the most effective, I think. Um, when he's, you know, just doing the evil shit, like knocking out, uh, you know, knocking out uh, uh, Stephanie McMahon while Triple H is is, is uh, handcuffed to a side of the ring and, and kissing her. Like, shit like that. Like, I'd rather see Randy on his last leg go off as a heel. He's, he's a way better, more efficient heel. And even he wants it now at this point. So it kind of sucks that he's in a position where I don't think he's, I think he had fun with Shinsuke, but I, I don't think that it didn't sound like Randy's having the most fun on this run of wrestling, especially since it started off with a concussion with Brock Lesnar. So 
Um, I do like Randy Orton. I, I don't I, think he's the greatest in-ring performer, but I think that he's effective at being his style, if that makes sense. I definitely don't dislike him the way that Chris hates his dad. I don't know why he hates him. Sorry, Sorry. I, I have I have a I, this is this is my main problem with Randy Orton as I feel like the reason that he's over is because they buried a bunch of other superstars. It had nothing to do with his actual in-ring ability, his ability to talk, any of that. They created a gimmick where he literally kills Ricky the Dragon. The legend killer. Like, he literally killed people that you cared about to get heat. And I feel like that's a bullshit reason to for people to like him, and that's what everyone... But he's the legend killer. He did the punt. But to me, the punt is like him punting my childhood away. So it's deeper than that, because everything after that was just him going through the goddamn motions of being a pro wrestler. Well, the thing is, you said, you know, and I, I agree with you, it is cheap to an extent, but it's effective, because you still have oh, hatred it's for a, him. It's effective, but it's not five years down the line effective. I've had, I have hatred for yeah. him, because I don't think he's that great of a wrestler. I don't think that he's, like, anywhere near close to a fucking John Cena or even a Triple H, who I'm not a huge fan of. Like, as I know the different as, sizes. Who's better between Orton and uh, Lesnar? Um, fucking draw-wise, Lesnar. Do you mean who's better in the yeah. ring? Like, Orton's a way yeah. better in-ring worker, but he's not a fucking bigger draw than Lesnar, and he never will be, and he never was. Yeah. The only reason he ever fucking drew any goddamn money is because he ended legends. Like, to me, his whole gimmick was built around shitting on, like, actual, like, Hall of Famers' careers. That's what they built him up around. And then after that, what did he do? Like, he made out with Stephanie McMahon. I actually time. don't know. So he had, which I'd also consider Triple H a legend at the time that he did that. But everything else that Randy Orton's ever done has kind of sucked. Other than RKO and out of nowhere, which is just a fucking diamond cutter. So... I don't care. People can hate me for that or say whatever they want, but that's how I feel about Randy Orton. And if someone can be like, here's a good Randy Orton match from the past, like, three years, like, bring it. Like, if it's not Seth Rollins jumping off his knee to catch RKO, then no one's going to care. Because, like, the his entire thing is I, I, I sold, I sold, okay, here's my comeback. I'm going to do my one little spot. Here's the DDT. I'm going to hit the RKO. Oh, I fucked up. Oh, it's RKO out of nowhere. It's been the same thing for three or four fucking years. He's always sucked on the mic. The only time that anyone ever cared about him is when he's beating up old-ass people that are Hall of Famers. See, see but you're, you're, reversing, Fame. you're reversing your initial argument. You said that you did originally when you went into this. You said you didn't like him because even though he's he's – He's, you know, he's, 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 I think he even said he was good on the mic a little while ago. And you said he was a good in-ring worker. And now he's a shitty in-ring worker and shitty on the mic because he screwed over Legends, which no, I agree no. with you is a cheap no, no. But they were putting he, him over. They, they, they wanted to. It's not like it's, 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 a, it's a work. He's not, he's not shit. I, I, he's not shitty in-ring worker. Other than him throwing that gender, like gender Mall's like cousin over his shoulder or whatever. <laughs> the Bollywood boy. He just thought <laughs> that was. That was like actually kind of terrible. But other than that, like Randy's pretty safe. He's pretty he's he's pretty decent in the ring. But like, when have you seen like a Kenny Omega style Randy Orton match? Well, I mean, but you're taking the best out of this generation. Randy's not when have you in seen the top a, uh, when ten have out of his seen, generation. Okay. When have you seen a John Cena Randy Orton match in the past five years? 
I don't I don't know. I'd have to like go back and research because I haven't seen a lot of his matches other than the ones in the last year. The uh, only one I can think of that, is that great. The only one I can think of is Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins carried the entire match and took an L for it. All right. Well, I, so I just feel like this might be one of, the, one of those situations where I don't have as much of a problem with Randy Orton. You have good reasonings. I'm not going to tell, tell you that you don't, but I just think that we look at it uh, a little bit differently is what I would think. And it's not even that um, I have a problem with Randy Orton. I just feel like Randy Orton got propelled in a way that you're not ever – like you can't propel anyone else ever in that same sense because you gave him literally a gimmick that made him an absolute monster fan that had watched wrestling during a certain time period. And now that doesn't work anymore. You can't be like, oh, he just killed Batista. People aren't going to care. Like, I don't you know. don't have I mean, that. It's... You don't. They gave him a gimmick, and he kind of stuck with it. And then they took they took his big move away, the fan, the move that fans all talk about, which is the punt. They're like, oh, but, like, what if he punted somebody? It's like, he's never going to do that because concussions, so. To me, he is a – to me, he's like below Miz on the cards of wrestlers you should appreciate in the past five years. But Miz is pretty high up there. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I would like to actually go over some – a couple of these New Japan uh, WWE things instead of talking about Randy Orton. I think you can be with me on that, right? Yeah, I'm totally down. Let's do. All right. Uh, first one's kind of obvious, but we should just definitely talk about this to take like a little bit. Kenny Omega versus AJ Styles. Like, I know a lot of people are going to be like, Seth Rollins. No, I want to see the two guys, the two leaders of the Bullet Club, arguably the two best in-ring workers on the planet, you know, uh, at least high flyer-wise, because Okada probably is right there too. But still, you know, when it comes to their size and their styles, I want to see the two of them beat the crap out of each other. I would assume that Omega would be basically the heel factor in this, and AJ would be the baby face. Um uh, like I said, this is a neutral situation where New Japan and WWE are working together and they just want to put on good matches. So there's no like, oh, he's going to be over more so um, based on that for anyone listening. Uh, but what do you think, Chris, when you think Omega versus AJ Styles? Which is probably going to happen hopefully in the future. I think that will be a phenomenal, no joke, <laughs> match. I think it'll be great. Um, it'll be really cool to see both those guys. With uh, Specifically, they may have faced each other before. I'm not going to dig through the entire indie file to see if they've ever... They have it. Before. That's the crazy part. I did. There are two in-ring styles together. Um, I feel like Kenny Omega giving AJ Styles a ton of offense and then... Uh, working his way back with B-triggers, clotheslines, all of the good selling that Kenny Omega is able to do and the good selling that AJ is able to do would make for a very, very, very interesting match. Um, I would prefer it being a New Japan ring where you could get like a really cool time limit draw or even an Iron Man style match in WWE where there is an overtime perspective um, similar to Brett and Sean. I think that would be really cool where it's like, if we don't have a winner, we're going to overtime, sudden death, like someone get one pin and have them get a couple pins beforehand. So the overtime mm-hmm. is more similar to what they did with Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair. I think that would be uh, 
like a really, really cool fucking way for them to have a match because I feel like they can easily have like a 30, 60 minute match and it'd be fucking awesome. Both those guys are so good at their in-ring planning um, and what they do in, in the squared circle, so to speak, that it would just be awesome. Like, it, it, I mean, easily, easily a five-star and if we're going Meltzer scale, six-star match between those two and you can be like AJ Styles is the older now and all this bullshit, but like Kenny Omega can carry a lot of that match. Um, and he's done it with so many other wrestlers and had so many good matches. And AJ is not someone that needs to be carried. So if you combine those two together, like it'd be a fucking amazing match. So that was like way high the up there for me. Uh, it's way high up oh, yeah. there. And it- that's not on WWE's radar. Definitely should be. I feel like they're fucking themselves by yelling at the Young Bucks for stupid, like, don't do this Ugh. kind of stuff is just ridiculous because at the end of the day, like, Bullet Club, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks don't need WWE as much as WWE could actually use them because they could be a huge I... fuck. I agree, man, and hopefully, I mean, that thing is, and now they're not backing down. Like, them and Cody are trying to fuck with the WWE, which is, all right, just keep on poking the bear, guys, but we'll find out. I got one more match that we'll go over. We'll do more of these, uh, me, you, and um, Thomas next week. Obviously, Thomas could make it tonight, but uh, we'll do one more of these. I had this idea. I couldn't find a match between these two guys. Uh, Finn Balor as the demon, not coming out as Prince Devitt. Finn Balor as the demon versus... Kota Ibushi as Tiger Mask W. Oh, man. I, I want to hear your take on this one before I go, but go ahead. Well, what I think would happen, um, initially it would be just two of them kind of, you know, sizing each other up. See, what I would love about this is to contrast it, since Tiger Mask is playing this heroic figure and Balor's playing this, this demonic figure, that when even, you know, Finn Balor goes into his rage concepts, Tiger Mask could be right there, but I think it would be all over the ring. Um, lots of high spots outside from, from uh, Kota Ibushi onto Finn Balor, uh, fighting around the ring. I think that Finn Balor would end up winning just because he's such a big draw. It has been for New Japan and for WWE. They both would want to put him over, but I think they would have an awesome match. And... Finn Balor would look like the villain in it. Just, just he would literally look like the villain in it. I think I would go the same exact route you went, um, but I would have it building up with Tiger Mask, maybe saving some people from Balor, but Finn Balor denying the fact that the demon is a problem the entire time, as far as building a storyline. Or maybe they have some tag matches where you have Tiger Mask and Finn Balor tag partners. And for whatever reason, something causes Finn to snap into this other personality and just destroy people with chairs or something to the point where Tiger Mask calls him out and then that sets up the mask. He's wrestling, as as Finn would say, the man who created the demon. Um, <laughs> and then the demon slowly rears his head and starts cheating and he eventually gets the win over Tiger Mask after a long fight. And then I would set that up for a rubber band match where Tiger Mask overcomes evil because TV show. So you could build that in your TV show. But that's that's how. Oh, I- you'd be great on the anime. That would be cool. 
Well, we guys only have a couple more minutes, so definitely um, we'll go, we'll go over some more of these. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of flavor some of the matches I had in mind, um, the, the big ones at least on here. Uh, Cena versus Okada, I thought was kind of uh, obvious. Roman Reigns versus cousin Tomatonga, I think would be a fantastic match. Y2J versus Tanahashi in a ladder match. Uh, uh, Kevin Owens versus NATO. Uh, uh, the New Day versus the rest of Los Cinco Bernables uh, with uh, Evil. Um, Sonata and uh, uh, Bushi. Uh, I even had I even put Shibata versus Daniel Bryan because that will never happen, but I think that would be an amazing match. So we'll we'll go over some of these. I I still have more uh, Suzuki versus Samoa Joe. Uh, you know, so it, it, it's fun. I realize, Chris, to 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 fantasy book, but regardless, guys, it's been a wonderful episode of Wrestling East Alliance. Had a lot of fun talking to my good friend Christopher Ray Patton. Chris, uh, thank you, as always, for co-hosting with me. And uh, just sign off to the audience. Have a great night, buddy. Hey, thanks for everybody listening. And uh, it was really enjoyable to uh, be in everyone's ear holes this week, especially we had a call-in. So call-ins are cool. Keep calling in. Um, We appreciate feedback. So make sure you hit us up on Facebook or uh, iTunes or Blog Talk or whatever. Make sure you're listening in. And uh, always feel free to comment and and give us questions. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Questions, suggestions, anything, guys. Uh, when you see the post on Geek Vibes Live, if you're coming from that alternative, or Geek Vibes uh, Nation, which all my iTunes listeners, if you guys don't know, we have a wonderful Facebook page, Geek Vibes Nation, which will be able to keep up with everything for our show. We have posts that literally have the show. Comment. Message me or Chris. If you have ideas for the show, let us know. Like I said, call in, ask questions. Just don't be a dick and be one of those guys that's actually trolling us. But we appreciate it. All of our iTunes listeners, thank you so much. You can listen to us on iTunes, on Blog Talk Radio. Um, we have another great episode of Geek Vibes Live coming up this Saturday. Um, or maybe, no, no, no. I think this is the week, actually, where we move to Sunday night. So that should be interesting. And, uh, yeah, just keep it here for some fun stuff. I'm going to put a little song in the background like I normally do. It's an old school one that you guys might not know that Chris reminded me of not so long ago. But um, have a great night, guys. And, uh, you know... Have fun, watch wrestling, and come back to us and talk about that stuff. Yeah! Love, 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 Live! What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.